Let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 25 is where we'll start. And Father, we pray for your help this morning that your presence would be upon us and we would, that I would be able to not be emotional. (laughs) You're, You're just so real, Lord. We miss this time together last year so much. We miss each other so much. There's so much going on in the world. And we just need your touch. We need to hear your voice. We need you to bring clarity to us and strength. And most of all, like we were reminded yesterday, your love. We need to be rooted and grounded in your love. And we need to have that that focus on Jesus. So help us, Lord. Help us. We pray that we'd have a special visitation, a a 9 a.m. visit with the Holy Spirit, a first session of the day, Lord, and you just really do a, a, a radical work right now by your Spirit in our hearts. That you'd be enthroned, Lord, in, an, in just a deeper way than ever. And our burdens would be lifted. And we'd be those men that have the yoke of Jesus upon us. That easy and that light yoke. Just next to you. We, we confess, Lord, that we're the neediest group of men But, Lord, your power is made perfect in weakness. And so, help us, Lord. Help us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I've been fasting and praying for you guys, so forgive me for being emotional. I think I fasted too much or something like I... Whatever. Verse 25, at that time Jesus answered and he said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and you've revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father and no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. And he's speaking to you specifically right now, this verse. We use this, we preach the gospel to people, but this is Jesus speaking to each one of us. This minute, this second right now. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm going to be talking this morning about a a basic uh, concept, and I'm trusting 
in Alistair Begg and Don McClure, the guys teaching tomorrow, and the Holy Spirit to uh, balance out what I'm going to say today. Because I'm only going to, I'm, I'm going to say something that's more narrow. It's, it's a basic foundational concept, and I want to, and I'm praying, uh, I, I'm guessing you guys feel the way I feel. Uh, the world that we're living in has just become so crazy and so difficult and hard to navigate. I feel compelled by the Holy Spirit in the ministry that I'm part of and the things that I'm doing. I feel, I feel extra energy and extra focus and power from the Holy Spirit and, and, and this impetus to make Jesus the main thing. And it seems like everything around me is screaming to make something else the main thing more than ever in my, in my life. And I, and, and I have opinions about lots of these things also. And, and the Lord just keeps speaking to me saying, I, it's about me. And, and, I, and, and I'm fighting. I'm fighting to not get burdened. And I was praying for the conference. And I know you guys all pray. and Lots of people are praying. And, and uh, the only thing the Lord really put on my heart to share... And we'll, we'll, you know, starting with this verse is kind of illustrating where we're going to go to. And it's a basic theological concept. Maybe it's at the starting point. If you accept that there's a God, there's a basic truth that we build our lives on. And, and it's, it's that God doesn't need us. That's, that's not, remember I said that that's not all, all that could be said. Is if, you, if you leave and you think that, that that's the final truth, it's not. It's a beginning truth. It's important, and it puts the other things in a context. God wants to use us. God loves us. God has a great plan. God, God will give you power. He'll make you sufficient to be a minister of the new covenant. But at the bottom of it all is, but not because he needs us. <laughs> like, we're presupposing that. And we have to emphasize it in certain seasons of life. And in the ministry of Jesus, here in this moment, he's, he's collecting this group of disciples that no one else is going to collect. And here we are, a room full of those kind. There's all different kinds of disciples. And we're one of the kinds. Uh, we're the kind when they go, really, God did that? That's amazing. <laughs> you, you really, that was you. Yeah, it's weird, it's crazy. It was an accident. You know, they canceled the trip. I went anyways. Uh, Some, something happened, this led to that. God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, but it has to be emphasized. Jesus says it in his prayer in these verses, it seemed good to God. Do you notice that verse 26? Even so, Father, it seemed good in your sight. What seemed good to God? That he's revealing his truth to people who are not qualified to receive it. They're babies. They're babes. They don't have the maturity. They don't have the development. They don't have the qualifications. The wise, they have all those qualifications. Like, well, of course you'd give it to them. It seemed good to the Father to reveal His Son to those that would just cry out. If you're here today and you're just wanting to cry out to God, don't, don't let this moment of this conference pass. With, you know, don't let it pass without crying out and, and see what seems good to the Father. 
What seems good to him is to reveal himself to you, that you would hear his voice, that you would understand Jesus better than you ever have. Jesus said in verse 27 that everything was given to him by the Father. The victory's already won. Jesus is going to overcome. He's going to fulfill this statement. Everything is already his. He can stand before Pontius Pilate and say, you have no power over me. Right? We were listening to Mike share his story. What a crazy situation he's found himself in. And, and then to be, like, I'm just thinking, I'm so glad that wasn't me. You know, like, I just, you know, we've been praying for him. We've all been praying for him. We know the circumstances. And you just think, but, but it's like Jesus before the authorities in the sense of, well, I, I'm part of a kingdom. And it's not of this world. And we're just doing what the king says. The simplicity that's in Christ. Everything's delivered to be my, my father. Jesus will die on the cross. He'll rise from the dead. And he'll prove this is true. There's one name that's above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He alone is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Everything is his and no one knows him. No one knows the Son, he says in verse 27, except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. That's a closed loop, right? <laughs> Father knows the Son, so knows the Father. It's, a, it's closed. How do we get in that loop? Well, the last phrase, except the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. We've been brought in to the fellowship of the Father and the Son. We're one. Jesus prayed, John 17, you guys have all taught this. This is what's great about teaching you guys, right? Like, you don't teach you guys anything. He just reminds you of all the verses you've memorized. Remind you of what you already taught. Remind you of what you taught last week. You're like, wait, I just said that last week and I said it way better. <laughs> right? Like, it's a pastor's conference. We know how it rolls here. Like, that was good, but you should have heard mine. Here's my tape, you know. Here's my, check out my podcast. I nailed it. <laughs> what is Jesus praying? He's praying for the disciples to be one with him and share the oneness that he has with the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son. No one knows the Son except the Father and those to whom the Son wills to reveal him. The, the Father revealed to us through his Son, through the present ministry of the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, through our fellowship together, through our times of surrender and singing the praises of God and singing out to him, worshiping him, and the Spirit of God sent by the Son of God because of the new covenant he established in his blood is now bringing us into an awareness of the Father whom no one knows except the Son. And we've been brought into that relationship with the Son by the Father, the only one who knows the Son. And we're now in a relationship with God. We're the babes. We're the... Well, how do what qualifies me for that? I was I was I was a little stumbled by the joke about alcohol because I'm an alcoholic. I was like four Lutherans and one fifth, dude. I was 13. One fifth is plenty. Started drinking at a young age. I was like, I mean, I'm, I'm not really offended. Don't misunderstand. I didn't go get drunk last night. I wasn't really not technically stumbled, but 
I'm not the person that gets called into the ministry to be a pastor of a church. I'm a person... <laughs> I'm not the person that would be in that place. Right? You, like... It, it just is what it is. And here's our Lord and Savior, our Master, standing on earth with all of His glory veiled in this human form, and He's communing with the Father, and He said, Lord, Your plan is good. Father, Your plan is good. It seemed good in Your sight. And then He makes an invitation to the people. He stops talking to God, and He talks to humanity. And look at verse 28. What does He say? Come to me. And my greatest need is Jesus in my life. I need to come to him continually. Come to me, especially if you're laboring and you're heavy laden. I'll give you rest. We're always praying all the pastors' conferences in our fellowship of churches, always praying for these, these meetings because all of us have the same experience. We all just come in here, man. Like This building is not big enough to carry the burdens that you guys carried into this room. Prodigal children, prodigal grandchildren, illnesses, division in the church, confusion, difficulty. Just talking to some brothers that are going to court you know, about the same kind of thing as Mike was talking about. It was like the burdens. So if you're laboring and you're heavy laden, you got to go to Jesus. He's the only one. But he invites us. He's inviting us to himself. He's asking us to come to him. If you're working so hard and you're carrying this burden, he just looks at the hard worker who's carrying a burden. He's like, let me take the burden. Come with me. Take my yoke. You guys have all taught on this, right? I don't have to explain it to you. Have you ever worked hard with somebody and felt their body heat because you were, you were having to slug it, like you were in it and you were close enough to each other? Have you, ever, have you ever shared sweat? I don't mean like in a, just in a manly way. You're, it's a fight. <laughs> like, dude, this isn't going to work. Let me grab it. You're right. They just aren't like just grabbing it. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus is saying, "Come, I got, I got something I'm doing. You look tired. You're pulling that load, man. You're working so hard, and you're pulling that heavy load. Here, man, come over here. Hook up with me right here. My yoke. You feel my skin." Next to you, we're going to pull this together. I'm pulling. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. If you came today, and you guys have taught this, okay? You know this. Let me just tell you on behalf of Jesus, if you came to the conference tired and heavy laden, man, let it just, let it go. Let it go. no disrespect to anything that's been said before me. Please don't misunderstand. You don't have to save America. God doesn't need you. Right? It's in a context. I'm not the only speaker, so please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. 
Does God want to use you? Absolutely. Are you going to be held accountable if you don't do what he said? Absolutely. Does that sound like a threat? It is. Okay, like, okay, like, there's a reality. You sow to the flesh, you reap from the flesh. Sow to the spirit, you reap from the spirit, okay? But there's a, there's a slice of truth that we have to hang on to so we don't get a yoke that we can't carry. I'm not saying anybody put that on us, okay? I don't, I'm not talking about the mess. I, I love my brothers. I love it, right? I'm talking about what, before I got here, all, all the stuff. God doesn't need us at all. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. When you put the yoke on, what's the focus? What are you learning about? What are you learning about? What do you, where do you turn when you start to get burned out, when you get frustrated, when you're overwhelmed, when you try to go on Zoom and no one in the fellowship knows how to use it, <laughs> when you're trying to figure out how to change the way you do Facebook Live and no, you know, no one knows how to use it, you're trying to reinvent your church 10 times in 10 months, what do you do? Where do you, what do you, we know, like, this is a, this is a fundamental what do we do? We, we just get back to Jesus. I got to get back to Jesus. I got to get back to simplicity. What is it that I'm trying to do? I'm only trying to do one thing. What is it? If I can't do anything else, what is it that I'm going to do? Learn from me. And then his heart. Look at verse 29. This, is the, this to me is the, the key of all of it. He gives us an insight, autobiographical statement from Jesus' own lips about his nature. He says, I'm gentle and I'm humble in my heart. You'd be safe with me. I'm not going to grind you up. I'm not going to saddle you up and ride you till you ain't got no hooves and then discard you and ride the next best, latest. I'm Jesus. Just come with me. I'll get you to the end. His heart is humble. He's humble in his heart. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Remember, I told you, I'm only talking about a partial, I'm talking about a part of the truth. There's so much more that needs to be said. I'm not trying to teach a balanced thing, so please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We have to, though, grab this component so that we can, we can have the joy of the Lord. We can have the, the, the victory over these burdens. And I want to remind you of a story. Thinking of Jesus, his heart here, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. If you'll turn back in your Bible to 1 Samuel. First Samuel and the story where Eli's sons bring out the secret weapon, the magic art that melts Nazis. <laughs> you just point it at them and they melt. <laughs> chapter 4, you guys know where it is. 1 Samuel chapter 4. The word had come to Samuel, but then it says, Israel went out to battle against the Philistines. 
And they were camped beside Ebenezer. That's a foreshadow, right? This place gets a name. The Philistines camped in Aphek. The Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel. And when they joined the battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. So Israel defeated by their enemies. And the people came, verse 3, into the camp. The elders of Israel asked the right question. They say, why has the Lord defeated us before the Philistines? I wish that was the end, because that, that's where you stop and you go, Lord, what's the answer? And what's going to be the answer from the Lord? You guys know the story? There's sin. You got these totally corrupt priesthood, you corrupt nation, you're worshiping idols. You guys got to repent. But they don't, they, they, they ask the right question. They don't wait for an answer and they, they give a pragmatic response. Good question, but not listening for the Spirit. They, and they said, let's bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us. And when it comes among us, it will save us from the hand of our enemies. Pragmatism is ever the enemy of the church. Every generation, every group, every, every circumstance. What are we going to do, man? We're being defeated. We got to get out our secret weapon, the magic box. Fire came out of that thing, man. Smoked some dudes. Like you, the guys carried that out in the Jordan River and the river parted. We need the box. The box will do it. Well, they got excited about it. They're pumped up. Eli, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, verse 4 says, they brought the ark. They carried it out like, yeah, well, let's do it. The ark, verse 5, of the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp and all Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. Oh, that's a men's conference. Ah, our box is here. You guys are dead. Point it at them. Ah. We know the story, right? It's not going to go good. Look at the Philistines. They freak out. Verse 6. The Philistines heard the noise of the shout. They said, what does this sound, the great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? They think we whipped these guys. 4,000 guys dead. They're cheering. What? And then they understood, it says, that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp and the Philistines were afraid. Now that makes sense. The Philistines are pagans. They're superstitious. They have magic boxes everywhere. They have magic potions, magic incantations, magic, uh, you know, movements, magic things that they do. You know, everything, everything is superstitious. They, oh, the ark. And then they said, God came into the camp. And then they said, woe to us. Such a thing's never happened before. Woe to us. Who's going to deliver us from the hand of these gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Then they just... They, they get back. They All right, be strong. Conduct yourselves like men, you Philistines. So you don't become the servants of the Hebrews as they bend to you. Conduct yourselves like men and fight. That's a Philistine battle cry, by the way. Let's get our act together. Let's fight. Hey, Philistines say that just like Christians could say that. Right? What's the difference? Oh, there's a huge difference. Infinite, right? Should be an infinite difference. The Philistines fought. Verse 10. Israel was defeated 
Every man fled to his tent. They were, they were destroyed in this battle. There, there was a great slaughter. And there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. And the ark of God was captured. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas died. You guys know the rest of the chapter. Eli hears the news. He falls over. He breaks his neck. He dies. The wife in childbirth brings the son like, the glory of God's departed. Man, the glory of God's just getting started. <laughs> she didn't know what she was talking about. That's not the end of the story. Something happens. I love this story. Verse 1 of chapter 5. The Philistines took the ark of God. They brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. And the Philistines took the ark of God and they brought it into the house of Dagon. And they set it by Dagon. Dagon's a fish man, God. These guys are fishermen, right? So they got a fish God. He's a man fish. They got a statue of him. He probably looks all ripped. Like Ken Graves, like with a mermaid body. I don't think I'll be able to stop seeing that the rest of the Bible study. I should have not said that one. I should have kept that one in. There it is. There's the statue of their God. We're going to put this. Man, we whooped 30,000 guys. They were so pumped up. And they didn't have anything. We took them. We got their box. These guys are nothing. They're our slave forever now. And they put their box in there next to their guy like he's on top, like his fin is on it. <laughs> How's Israel going to get the box back? How's that going to happen? Well, verse 4. They arose early the next morning I'm sorry, verse 3. I skipped, a, I skipped the first one. Verse 3. The people of Ashdod arose early in the morning. There was Dagon fallen on his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. They came in and there was a worship service happening. <laughs> Dagon was demonstrating the meaning of the word worship in the Bible. You guys are, have taught on that? To be he's prostrate. Now he's worshiping. Hey, put him right there. He's dominated. You wake up in the morning, he's worshiping. They go, well, that was weird. I didn't feel the earthquake. Did you? No, I don't know. How did he get down there? So they took Dagon and set him back in his place. And the message wasn't clear, though, so God raised the level. Verse 4, then they got up early the next morning, and they came in. There was Dagon. He was on his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. The head of Dagon... And both the palms of its hands were broken off on the threshold. Only Dagon's torso was left. God decapitated their God and chopped his hands off. And then put them in the doorway. So in order to get in, you got to climb over your God's head. That's an object lesson a little bit. <laughs> right? I'm not a genius, but I think like, you're climbing over your dead God's head, probably need a new God, like, 
you think? But that's not the end of it. They still are holding on. Verse 6, the hand of the Lord was heavy on the people of Ashdod, and he ravaged them and struck them with tumors. They all had these. Verse 7, the men of Ashdod saw how it was. They said, the ark of the God of Israel must not remain with us. His hand is harsh toward us and toward Dagon, our God. Therefore, they sent and gathered themselves all the lords of the Philistines. They said, what should we do with the ark of the God of Israel? And then they said, well, let, let, let the ark of God be carried away to Gath because they, they believed in regional deities, right? Well, Dagon's ours, but Gath has like a different thing that they're doing. So let you guys take the ark for a while. Okay, yeah, yeah, our, you know, it's all that pride, right? Like, we're the Red Sox, you guys are the Yankees, you know, like, we're the, we're the Giants, you guys are the Dodgers, like, uh. it's, just, it's just that pride of man, right? Like, well, our God will take them. So, you know how it happens. So they take them down there to Gath. Well, verse 9, after they carried it away, the hand of the Lord was against that city with a very great destruction. He struck the men of the city, both small and great, and tumors broke out on them. So these guys are getting hurt. Okay, then they go, that's not good. Verse 10, go down, go to the, uh, you know, go out to the American League then, not the National League. So go down to Ekron, verse 10. They carry them down to Ekron. But the Ekronites, they got smart at this point. They go, they brought the ark of God of Israel to us to kill us and our people. Well, that turned quick, didn't it? We got superstitious, unbelieving descendants of Abraham not trusting the living God, bringing out the magic box in the flesh, and they get hammered. We got the superstitious unbelievers who worship all the different gods that take the magic box and put it by their magic God and how he dominates. Who's involved in all this? Who's doing all this? Just God. He's just doing it. Then they go to the next town. They can't handle it. The Ekronites go, man, we can't. We don't want that thing. And so then they say, send it away. Send the ark of God. The ark of God, let it go back to its own place so that it doesn't kill us and our people. And there was a deadly destruction throughout all the city, and the hand of God was very heavy there. And the men who didn't die were stricken with the tumors, and the cry of the city went up to heaven. The ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines for seven months. The Philistines, finally, they, they call for their priests, their diviners, and they say, what should we do with the ark of the Lord? How should we send it back to its place? Here's genius. They Googled it. <laughs> you know, the algorithm only brings up the certain things, and so this is what they got. If you send away the ark of the God of Israel, don't send it away empty. But... By all means, return it back to him with a trespass offering. Then you'll be healed. It will be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. Well, then they said, what's the trespass offering that we should return to him? They said, five golden tumors. <laughs> Who, who's the model? <laughs> right? These guys got to sculpt this thing. It's like, what are they doing? Let's make some golden hemorrhoids and put them on the, put them with the ark because that'll that'll make God laugh. Like I, like, 
he lo- does he love the Philistines? He wants to. He's trying to show himself to them. They don't understand anything, so he's trying to reveal, hey, I'm more powerful. You should, you should think about me. And they also say five golden rats. They were being plagued by rats also. And, and so they make these images and then send it back. Don't look at verse 6. They, these guys actually have, a, have an Old Testament application. They say, why would you harden your heart like the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts? When he, God did, that God did mighty things among them, and they, when they didn't let the people go, you, let's not do that. So here's what you do. Make a new cart. They got this whole thing about with the cows and put the ark on the cart. You know, and, and so the, the mother cows are going to hear their babies. They'll come back. And if it's the Lord, they're just going to bail. So they do it. They put them on the cart. And the ark comes back to Israel. Total corrupt priesthood. Uh, a brokenness in the land. Everyone doing what's right in their own eyes. Complete brokenness. And the ark, the ark gets captured in battle because of the foolishness of the spiritual leaders. They're, they're just ungodly and without the help of any person. Ark comes back by itself on a self-driving car. Not a Tesla, like pre-Tesla. This is like way back. Here comes the cows. They're coming along. And men of Beth, Beth Shemesh are like, what's that? It's the ark. It's by itself. Who's driving in the cart? It's just coming right up the road, just cruising along. Cows are, here we go. Come on the hill, up the hill from Gaff, straight up to Beth Shemesh. You know what happens to Beth Shemesh? Guys open the box, they get Nazi fried. <laughs> well, what are they doing? Still the place is a mess. What, you know, the ark comes back by itself, but something else has been happening simultaneously. And what is it primarily? This book is called what? First, it's the name of a man. His mom didn't have any kids and she was weeping. And she prayed. God gave her a son and she gave him to the Lord. A man given to the Lord. And the word of God, what happened to Samuel? The word of God came to Samuel. The story, you guys know this really well. The story, as it's, as it's told in the narrative, it says the word of God was, was, what's the word? The word of God was scarce in those days. It wasn't The word of God wasn't the thing. Superstitions, magic boxes that solved your problems. And there's a man who'd been listening to God. And with the death of these guys and this of these events that happen and the ark comes back and Samuel's ministry now begins. Samuel's such a wonderful man of God, how the Lord used him. The first event that we read about as Samuel begins to judge Israel, the ark leaves Beth Shemesh after they look into it and they're plagued. Then it ends up in Kirjath Jerim. And then in chapter 7, Verse 2, so it was that the ark remained in in Kirjath-Jerim for a long time. It was there 20 years. All the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And Samuel, this is really the beginning of Samuel's ministry to the nation. I mean, as, as we're given it in the narrative, his message, Samuel spoke to the house of Israel and said, If you return to the Lord with all your hearts and put away the foreign gods and the Ashtoreths from among you, and prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve him only. 
he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. Put away the idols that are amongst us and let's seek the Lord alone and the Lord will do what only the Lord could do. Like always. It's always been the same. And so the children of Israel, verse 4, they put away the Baals and the Ashtoreths and they served the Lord only. And then Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah and I will pray to the Lord for you. And they gathered together at Mizpah. They drew water. They poured it out before the Lord. And they fasted that day. And they said there, We've sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. And in that gathering then, the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mizpah. Then the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And then Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Sacrifice was offered, and he prayed. The ark came back by itself after a terrible defeat in a place that's called Ebenezer, a place where they were defeated. 30,000 died. The ark is captured. The ark comes back all by itself. The young boy has turned into a young man. He's grown up, and, now, and the word of the Lord is there, and now the people are gathered. They're turning their hearts back to the Lord. The Philistine, the same enemy in the same place, has come back against them, and they're filled with fear. And all Samuel did was offer the sacrifice, and then they prayed. This is so important. Verse 9. As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering... The Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a loud thunder on the Philistines that day and so confused them, they were overcome before Israel. The men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far as beth Car. This is a very interesting battle. This is different than other times where God gave Israel plans or later he'll give David specific strategies. He gives Joshua directions about certain cities, how they're going to take Jericho, how, what are they going to do. And in this situation, this moment in their history and the wickedness that's in the land, God's demonstrating this underlying truth that helps us keep everything else in perspective. And that is, he doesn't need us. Because the ark came back by itself and Samuel was offering sacrifice as this massive army that they've been defeated by is coming to kill them. And Samuel prays. And all of a sudden it thunders. <laughs> and they look, at, they look out, they see, and man, something crazy is happening to the Philistines. They're just, they're turning, this chaos is happening. And Israel just sort of runs into the, into the mopping it up. It's mop. They, these guys are wiped out by, by the sound. They've been hammered by this power of God coming upon them. And Samuel makes a monument. Verse 12, Samuel took a stone and he set it up between Mizpah and Shen and he called its name, what? 
Ebenezer. We were defeated here, but that's not the story of this place. We won a crazy victory here, and this stone, this stone we're setting up as a monument, it means help. It's a stone of help. God helped us. This is a monument that God helps those who can't help themselves. God helps people that will cry out to God in a godless generation, a superstitious generation, a generation where the forces of the world are radically outnumbering the forces of God. And they put up this rock. What does that rock mean? Well, that's the time when we couldn't do nothing. The ark came back by itself. We were so messed up. But there was a, one guy who was seeking the Lord and was in the Word and was hearing from God. Look at verse 13. The Philistines were subdued. They didn't come anymore into the territory of Israel. The hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. There was a lack of power, but that's not happening anymore. There's no longer a lack of power. It's just supernatural power. It's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. I, I want to reemphasize, this is just a component of, a, of the story that we hold on to, the truth, because every single one of us, every single one of you guys, God wants to use you. God wants to give you the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He wants to expand their influence. If, you have, if you're here and you have a gift of teaching, God, I want to tell you, God wants to expand the impact of the gift of teaching. The Word of God is scarce. He wants you to be able to explain the Word so people understand it, so that when they hear the Word of God, they hear God speaking to them, where they, they come in and they're confused about something and you're explaining from the Word and they're not more confused. Like, he knows so much. I don't even know what he knows. Right? Like, not that you're, they just like, it's so simple what he does. It's just, I just, I understand that. I've read that so many times. I don't, I never understood it. Today I understood it. Right? The power of the Holy Spirit through the teaching of the Word of God. It's not an intellectual exercise. Certainly we study it. Certainly we want to understand the language, the grammar, the history. Of course. But man, we're, we're looking for the Holy Spirit to do it. We're yoked with Jesus. Jesus, do the thing that only you could do. God wants to do that. He wants to do that. But we have to remind ourselves, do not carry a burden that Jesus didn't put on you. All right? Please, don't carry a burden Jesus didn't put on you. And I'm not saying someone, I'm not talking about this conference. I'm not talking about someone who went before me that they were putting, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. When he prayed to his father and said, Father, it seemed good to you to reveal your, your truth to people. They're not qualified to receive it, but it seemed good to you. I think it, the way he's saying it in the prayer, it seems good to Jesus too. And then when you look at the fellas that he picked, it seems good to him to reveal it to babes. He just picked normal people so that the rest of us would have hope that God could use us. So may the Holy Spirit himself commune with you while you're here in this special place to us 
while you're here, may he just commune with you. And may you just make sure there's that time where you can just open up your heart and go, Lord, I just, this thing is just, I just can't let go of it. It's weighing me down. And just give it to him. And just say, Lord, I just want to feel your body heat next to me. I want to be, I want, I want us to share sweat as we're pulling the load. I want to, if I could be with Jesus and do what Jesus wants to do, man, that'll make me emotional. There's nothing else in the world that matters. But if you could live one day of your life and you could say, man, I got to be yoked with Jesus. But man, that's every day. That's every day for us. Isn't it? Until they tell us we have to wear a mask. Then it's about masks. Until they tell us, man, we got to get a vaccination. And man, that vaccination is probably the mark of the beast. And man, now I'm all fired up. And all of a sudden, my yoke is like, oh, man. People are asking me medical questions. Man, they listen to this guy's message. They're asking me these questions. And I'm going down. God doesn't need anyone. He doesn't need anybody. But Jesus came to make us God's friends. We're his friends who get to serve him. We get to just say, Lord, what do you want to do? Let's do it. Father, I just pray for all of us, Lord, how we need you. You're, you're, you're the reason and the only reason that we're here. For a lot of us, you're the only reason we're still alive. You, Lord, saved our lives. You redeemed our life from the pit. So, Lord, help us be men that take your word seriously, be it simple like Samuel. Just go, I've heard from God. We're going we're gonna to sacrifice. We're going to pray. We'll see what God will do with this situation. Lord, may we just keep setting up those Ebenezer stones all across the country. Lord, we pray. We are exhorted. We, are, we receive it, Lord. We, our country, Lord... Give us America, Lord. Give us our people. Give us this whole world, Lord. Give us idol worshipers everywhere. Give us the communists, Lord, and the, the radicals. God, give us, give us the careless. Give us the distracted. Give us everybody, Lord. But, Father, help us not ever, ever, ever carry any other yoke but the yoke of Jesus. And I just pray for my brothers, Lord, that we would just be free. We'd be able to run, be sprinting, free, because we're yoked with Jesus, whose yoke is easy, his burden is light, his heart is humble. God, give us that victory. We receive it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.